those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. Luke 2, 5. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And why would it, would the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and made him in the Because there was no room at the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a fact for you. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem to see what has happened. That the Lord has made known to us. And they went with his, and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the manger. Praising God for all that they had seen and heard, as it had been told to them. After that, I'm not really sure what you need me for. So thank you to the children of Nanswin River who shared uh, the story of the birth of our Savior with us today. So this last week, uh, I had the opportunity to officiate a wedding in North Carolina. I like getting to do weddings because everybody's generally fairly cheerful. Uh, everybody's having a good time. You're glad that you're there. They are also the most nerve-wracking because the one thing you don't want to mess up is somebody's wedding. Uh, 
But this was a special one for us because the, of who was in the wedding. It typically is. But uh, in this case, it was a couple that's been coming to our church for the last few months. But my relationship, at least with the groom, goes way back further than there. Because before I came here to pastor, I was a, a student pastor in North Carolina. And the young man, the groom, happened to be, at that point, a middle schooler and high schooler in my youth group. And so they invited us to come back and to do their wedding, and I was glad to do that, and so we, we spent part of last weekend there uh, in North Carolina doing that, doing that wedding, and almost all of the groomsmen grew up in my youth group. A lot of the people in the, in the congregation for the church were there. It was a lot of people that I knew, but something happened that I didn't necessarily expect to happen because there were people, obviously, that have come into the bride and groom's life long since uh, I have. There were people there that I didn't know, and those that did know them would introduce me, but not in a way that any of you would expect. You see, because they don't know me by the name that you did, all of those kids that grew up in that youth group all called me Thurston, because that's my middle name, and one of them happened to see that on a diploma at some point in my office and began calling me that, and still to this day, now they're at that wedding, when they would introduce me, they would introduce me as Thurston. Please don't start calling me that. And it got me thinking about how in different situations, we're introduced different ways. If my wife introduces, she introduces me, at least on good days, as her husband. If my children, it's I'm dad. We left the wedding and went to my parents' house, who also live in North Carolina, and when they introduce me, I'm their son, if I'm in doing something, praying somewhere in an official capacity, sometimes it'll be the Reverend Bryce. You know, I never got that one. But we get introduced in different ways, in different places, by different people. If I'm with you, and this actually happened outside earlier today as people are coming in with their family, and somebody says, this is, this is my pastor. And I'll tell you, other than husband and dad, that is my absolute favorite way to be introduced because it's my connection with you, our church. And that got me thinking about the scripture and, and what I think is my favorite introduction in all of the Bible, at least my favorite one outside of how the gospel authors introduced Jesus to us. See, in the midst of John 1, which is this beautiful poetic um, uh, stanza about Jesus and the deity of Jesus, and we've been studying this on Sunday mornings, and about how the word became flesh and he was with God in the beginning and all things were created through him, right in the middle of that is the introduction of somebody that's not Jesus. And it's my favorite introduction in the whole Bible. When we pick up there in John 1, in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, there's a lot of information just in that little sentence there at the beginning of that passage. It tells us that this is a man. Now, you may think, well, that's nothing strange, right? It's either going to be a man or it's going to be a woman. But if you look at that in the context of all of John 1, it's important because Jesus, while a man, is also God. This introduction is just of a man. It's all John was. Not John that wrote the book of John, but we're, he's introducing us to a man named John that we would know as John the Baptist. He was just a man. But he was a man that had something that I think would be the best thing that ever could be said of someone who was sent from God. I can't think of a better introduction than that one, that this is just a man, he's not Jesus, and John's gonna clarify that for us in a moment, but he was a man sent from God, that this man had a mission, he had a purpose 
His name was John. Then the gospel writer, he describes that purpose to us in verses 7 and 8. He says, he came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Then he clarifies, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. That this is who John the Baptist was. He was someone, a man, just a man like us, human, sent from God with a mission to be a witness, to tell us about something. Now you may be in here for obviously our Christmas Eve service and you may be thinking, you're not talking about Jesus. Why aren't you talking about Jesus? Isn't this Christmas? Well, hold on. I'm going to get to Jesus. But John, if you will, reminds me of Christmas Eve. You see, I know it's Christmas Eve in here because there's still a lot of children there were a lot at our three o'clock service too, with a lot of pent up energy. They're really excited. And they've been excited about Christmas for a long time. They didn't just get excited today. Now it's come to a crescendo today, right? They're really, really excited that it's finally Christmas, but they've been excited now for a while. And John in the story of scripture is that crescendo. John is Christmas Eve. All of the Old Testament is what builds up to it, right? We now, whenever I can remember as a kid, we started celebrating Christmas and really getting excited about Christmas when Thanksgiving was over. Now it's like the 4th of July, you know? July 4th gets over and Lowe's and Walmart and Home Depot, they all put the Christmas trees out, really wanting to gin up a whole lot of energy about Christmas. And people start getting excited about Christmas really early, at least by the time Halloween's over. If you don't have your Christmas tree up, something's the matter with you, right? We get really excited for it. And that's what all of the Old Testament is. The Old Testament is this building that finally gets to John, who really is Christmas Eve. I mean, if you just think about the story of the Old Testament, it really is all leading up to this moment, all the way back in the beginning of the Old Testament, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God removes them from his presence and he curses them in the ground and, and the serpent who tempted them. There's this little seed of promise in there where he looks at Eve and says, from the seed of woman will come one who crushes the serpent's head. That someone would one day be Jesus. You fast forward some in history and in the book of Genesis and you get to the flood with Noah where only Noah and his family find refuge in this ark as the entire world is judged. That ark points us to Jesus then there's a promise that God makes to a man named Abraham and to his sons, Isaac, and grandson Jacob after them. And, and that promise is that they will one day be a great nation. And through them, all of the world will be blessed. And that blessing is Jesus. And we see then hundreds of years later, the people of God leaving, uh, fleeing from Egypt and captivity there. And as they're wandering in the wilderness, heading to the promised land, going before them is the Ark of the Covenant. And in their midst is the tabernacle, this temple where they worshiped God. And that temple was God's presence with them. Emmanuel, Jesus there in the midst with them. Ultimately, a man named David would establish a throne in Jerusalem whose throne would one day belong to Jesus. Then come the prophets, dozens of them, telling us more than 300 true things about a man who had not yet lived, a man named Jesus. See, all of that is the buildup towards the Christmas story with John. 
a man sent from God who was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, serving as Christmas Eve. But then the light comes. You see, this is this anticipation is why a few years ago we started doing this Advent wreath in our church on Sunday mornings. The four Sundays before Christmas, we light a candle and a family from our church comes and reads some scripture and, and prays and we think about the anticipation of Christmas Day. And as we get to the Christmas Eve service, we always light the center candle, the biggest candle, the white candle. It's always in the middle. We save that one till the end. Why? Because everything else is anticipation leading up to it. All of the other scriptures that we've read are, are scriptures that point us to the light of the world. John wasn't the light. He came to bear witness of the light. And, and John, the gospel author, tells us something he says in verse 15. says, John bore witness about him being Jesus and cried out, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. You see, John was a man, just like you and I, sent from God with a specific mission to declare the truth about the coming Messiah. But Jesus is something completely different. Jesus is God. He is God made flesh, come to earth so that we might finally have light. This has been a difficult year. In my 40 years of living on this earth, it's probably the most extended period of, of turmoil that I have personally witnessed. And I know there's been other difficult times throughout history, but in the midst of a year like this, maybe these, uh, this, this uh, pandemic and political turmoil and economic crisis, maybe this has finally caused some of you sitting in here or watching with us online to finally recognize that all around us is darkness. That this world we live in has been affected by sin so greatly that there's nothing we can do on our own to ever fix it. There is no politician that's the cure. There's no uh, economic plan that's going to solve it. There's no worldly system that can possibly make it better because it's all dark. But God, at just the right time, as, as the story was unfolding from the Old Testament and the anticipation was building and finally Christmas Eve arrived and John arrived to declare that he had come, comes Jesus, the light of the world. And if during this time of darkness, you finally recognize the darkness of this world, here's what you need to know. The light has come. Jesus Christ has come and here's why he came. He came so that you who are living in darkness can be brought into his marvelous light. The life of Jesus teaches us so much. If we were, if we were to keep reading in John, we, we would see incredible lessons about who Jesus is and how Jesus treated people and the things Jesus taught and the miracles that he did. And all of those are important. But if we miss the truth of the light of the world, if, if we don't understand that, then none of those other lessons from the life of Jesus will mean anything because we can't emulate any of that without first being changed inside of ourselves. 
So here's what you need to understand. If, if in this year, in 2020, which has been such a difficult year for so many, if you finally recognize that there is nothing that you can do to make things better around you, nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God, but you hear today that Jesus is the light, then I want to tell you just really simply, here's how you can come into that light. You see, Jesus came, the word of God, man, God made flesh, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death. This story of Christmas doesn't end in a manger. It ends on a cross and a borrowed tomb and a resurrection three days later, which we celebrate at Easter. And all of that was so that you can know God and be right with him. It's the culmination of the whole story. So here's all you do. You turn to him in faith and repentance and you say, Jesus, today I believe that you are who the Bible says that you are, that you died in my place so that I may go from darkness into light because you, Jesus, are the light of the world. What a, I can't imagine a better thing to do during this Christmas season in such a dark year than to actually turn the light on in your life. And it's nothing that you can do on your own to do it. Can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't do the right things to say the right things. But Jesus can reach into your life and turn the light on because he is the light of the world. If you will but believe in him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you did not leave us in darkness, but you sent to us the light of the world so that for those who believe, those who come to you in faith can go from this dark world into your marvelous light. Oh God, would you change our hearts for people either sitting in this room or watching with us on their computer or TV or smartphone right now, would, would they believe that, trust in you and step into that light, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.